0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: A recent investigation by former Attorney General Eric Holder into the culture around Uber has revealed some significant issues and the news of possible sexual harassment of employees as well as other issues showed the approach of how CEO Travis Kalanick wanted to form this company. But apparently things may be starting to change thanks to Holder's report. In addition, Kalanick is going to have some of his duties stripped from him. He is currently taking a personal leave of absence after the passing of his mother. But what is the future for Uber with all of these coming changes? We're joined on the phone by Wharton's John Paul McDuffie. He's a professor of management and director of the program on vehicle and mobility innovation at Wharton's Mack Institute. And also joining us is Cindy Schipani, who is a professor of business administration and professor of business law at the University of Michigan. John Paul, great to have you back on the show with us. Cindy, great to have you with us as well. Thanks.
2: Thank Glad you. to be here.
1: Thank you. What were, your, Glad to be here too. what were your thoughts on the reporting, Cindy, by Eric Holder?
0: Uh, I thought the report was very comprehensive in giving a long list of things that the company can do to try to right the ship. But in the end, I think any report um, is only as good as the paper it's written on, unless the the players in the game yeah. really take it seriously. John so Paul? I,
1: and, I'm sorry. So Go I, ahead,
0: Cindy. I was just going to say, unless they get a leader with strong integrity and who really believes in wanting to change the culture, it's not going to make a difference.
1: John Paul?
2: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a start, but uh, really it's the actions that are taken next that will make the difference. Um, it's, culture is a very hard thing to change, and you can change some of the people. You can change the incentives. You can do training and things to signal that, you know, behaviors really have to be different and to focus on what's most important and probably they need to do all three of those in concerted effort with a lot of consistency in all the messaging.
1: Uh, the, the fact that, uh, John Paul, that he is going to have some duties stripped, uh, obviously, in part, that that goes to just really uh, what the leadership role was for Travis Kalanick with this company. So, I, I mean, to a degree he obviously has done a pretty good job of building this up and obviously the valuations that Ubers have, but the, the the actual culture around that company is something that's totally different. You don't put a value necessarily on that part of it.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, founders always have a huge imprint on a company, and here it's very clear that, uh, that Travis uh, Klinick was, you know, perhaps the formative influence on the culture and the problem with trying to deal with some of these issues that came up when he was fully in charge and clearly at times not he and his staff not being very responsive to issues that were being raised is that it kind of signaled that uh, basically nothing had had fundamentally changed and so having him step away bringing in a COO from the outside who has substantial responsibilities changing some things on the board, Um, all of these are signals of trying really to to shift away from that strong initial imprint of the founder and say that at this stage of uber's development they need to be a different company
1: it is interesting cindy that and as you mentioned you have to have the people downstream uh really you know leading as well the change in this culture uh some of the things that are involved here are, are needed to be quick changes but that's a hard thing to do as you kind of alluded to with with kind of the culture as a whole there
0: it's, it certainly is, and it's so dependent on the people and what they believe and how they, uh, and what actions they take. The employees are going to look at the behaviors of the senior leadership, not just what is written or what they're told to measure, but they're going to look at how they're actually behaving. And so I think it's critical that they fill those positions that are now going vacant yep. um, with people that are sincere about making this cultural shift.
1: We are joined uh, on the phone by John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School, Cindy Schipani, who is with the University of Michigan. We're talking about Uber and their culture. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. One of the interesting things, Cindy, that was written up about this was basically putting together a, a standard... Uh, practice set of rules, uh, which a lot of companies have, and, and it didn't sound like Uber had that.
0: That's very that was very interesting, and it's something that they should have had a long time ago. As long as that they were, as long as they would pay attention to them. I did like some of the things, though, in the new set of rules that they um, put put forward that seemed. Um, somewhat forward thinking. And that was in terms of training uh, to be aware of unconscious bias yep. and um, training to recognize those kinds of issues in reviews. and reviews. And that that's a new one in terms of what I've seen in other agreements.
1: Well, and that's something that I think a lot of people would say would be would be good for a majority of companies across the United States around the world. Some companies probably do that to a degree, but probably more need to think about that in in this uh, in this culture that we live.
0: Absolutely, and and by definition, unconscious bias is something that you're not thinking about, right. so it's important to raise awareness of the issue.
1: John Paul, in terms of the company itself, uh, how does this change Uber uh, and what they do going forward, especially in, in your role uh, with vehicle and mo- mobility innovation here at Wharton School?
2: Yeah, well, I mean... You know, it's been a bit of a perfect storm for Uber lately because they've also had this lawsuit uh, where Google's Waymo is accusing them of stealing trade secrets around LiDAR, and they fired this employee, Anthony Lewandowski, and they've also had scandals around this software that they were using to evade, uh, you know, various attempts to monitor their activities in different cities, this Grayball software. So... You know, it's a, it's a pattern which uh, really, I think, affects their, their reputation, their brand. Do uh, You have people saying that they're not going to use Uber, they're going to go to Lyft and other competitors simply because of these different signs of, of bad behavior. So, you know, cleaning up the internal culture with respect to how employees are treated is one piece of it uh but presumably the cultural change should be affecting these other areas of ethical violation and the like. And probably the main thing that uh that the CEO represented in terms of the strategy was this very aggressive growth strategy and this willingness to yep. push into markets uh regardless of regulatory barriers or, or other concerns and figure uh that you know get a get a footprint get a hold on consumers and then deal with regulatory problems later and they have largely succeeded in that in a lot of places and laws have been changed uh, retrospectively to allow them to exist even though they would would have been illegal to start off so Have they gotten far enough with that so that now they can uh, behave a bit less aggressively, more uh, following the existing laws? That would be a huge change in their culture, and I would guess that many, even aside from this set of internal issues in this report, would say uh, we don't think we should back away from that approach. That's what's made us great.
1: Well, that being said, though, if you're bringing in – a, a, a COO from the outside, and it was also talked about having more independent board members as well. These are people that may necessi- not necessarily have that mindset coming in, so it makes you wonder if there are going to be some maybe unintended consequences uh, of all of this going on, and there will be changes coming up at Uber, maybe towards you know the, the negative of what they have done to, to grow so much in the last several years.
2: Yeah, well, I'm sure that that is, in fact, the intent of bringing some of these outsiders in. And, you know, a lot of uh, early investors have been worried about Uber losing a lot of that ground and that valuation uh, and even that, that first mover advantage because of these kind of scandals. I just predict that there'll be a lot of debate internally uh, about those strategic uh, issues going forward.
1: Cindy?
0: You know, I don't really blame Uber for being so aggressive on the regulatory front when it comes to building demand for their service. Um, I, In some ways, I applaud them. They have uh, made consumers aware of a, a need that they have that they might not have realized before. They created new markets. They've been very disruptive. And I don't blame them for being uh, aggressive and pushing the limits on those issues. But I see it as absolutely no excuse for being unethical in how you treat each other. I don't think those two things are inconsistent. On the one hand, you can be aggressive in your in your product and what you're trying to accomplish, but that doesn't mean that you need to be in tra- treating your employees with uh, disrespect. These um, sexual harassment claims are not... Uh, they're not rocket science. They are right. things that folks should know better um, going into it, even if you are an aggressive person when it comes to uh, the product that you want to sell.
1: Then, then my question, next question to you is, can Travis Kalanick be an effective CEO for this company moving forward with all that has involved him? I mean, obviously, the company stuff is one thing, but there was obviously uh, the, the, the video of him yelling at uh, at an Uber driver. And, and certainly there have been, you know, other things that have surrounded him in, in this. And it makes you wonder if stripping part of his duties is maybe just the first step in maybe, you know, an overall change of the, the company thought process as to who the CEO should be.
0: Uh, I agree with you. I think that this is an important first step, and and the company does need to think about that because it's the leader who sets the culture and sets the tone. And the tone that has been set on these issues has not been good for the company. Uh, Good good CEO founders recognize when it's time for them to maybe – give the reins over to someone else that they cannot can no longer be effective at a certain period of time. And it might be time for um, the CEO to think about that.
1: John Paul?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the narrative we have of some of the most successful startups that they reach a point where the founder and the founding team aren't the right leadership to go forward, not necessarily because of scandal, but because of some other Kind of crisis, some n- different needs in the next stage of the company's growth. With tech companies, there's been a bit of a revision of that narrative. There, there's some of the big venture capitalists who, uh, like uh, in Andreessen Horowitz, has been particularly explicit on this. They believe that it's best to invest in firms that still have the founders around. Um, tech companies that the founders are important for their technical vision, for their relationships. Maybe they shift out of their initial role to some other role, but they uh, they like to keep founders around. So uh, so we'll see. And of course, Steve Jobs was forced out, and famously, yep. Apple became great only when he when he came back. So. I think in Silicon Valley, there's a little more the you know heroic tech CEO who sticks it out and continues to lead the firm to, to glory. Um, the board will be wrestling with those uh, different views of what Uber's future should be.
1: But it does make you wonder that, and obviously, you know the passing of someone's mother is a is a horrific event. Uh, but it does make you wonder if if that had not been a component. Uh, of Travis taking time off to kind of regroup at this point, whether or not this would have been a situation with all that came out in the in the Holder report, uh, whether or not he would have been asked to take time off to you know to kind of regroup himself. Do you think that could have been a possibility as well?
2: Yeah, I think that could have been a possibility. He, he strikes me as the kind of CEO who who really would not. Uh, want to step aside, uh, even briefly, and, and this um, this personal tragedy probably made it uh, a more logical thing for him to do. Uh, from what I've been reading about some of the, the, the governance rules that affect Uber, when senior people who hold a lot of stock uh, leave, that reverts, the stock reverts to uh... to him i mean to, yeah. to, to uh... and and so actually in a funny way all this turnover in the top executive ranks are only increasing his control of uh... voting shares it it's not a full-out majority but he remains even if uh... you know sidelined for a while a tremendously powerful force just in the basic ownership structure of uber Cindy,
0: i agree i think um... Those issues there are He he's in it. It's his investment. He has the uh, voting shares. He's going to have control, whether he's sidelined or not. But I think putting, you know, changing his duties or asking him to be relieved of CEO duties entirely is important for changing the culture. And he could still stay on in a way to influence uh, the the next big thing or you know what the company is engaged in.
1: But going back to the culture for a second, Cindy, there was also obviously the the comment made by Uber board member David Bonderman uh, about the report. And, and you you talk about culture and, and needing a change in culture. There, there's one right there. I mean, obviously he's resigned from the board, but that that you know to be able to make that comment in that kind of structure is. Is pretty harsh.
0: I agree. I thought that, that just shows how poor the culture is if a, <laughs> the board member is even in the time of all seriousness. Now, there are times where you might make a joke and right. it would be taken okay, but in this context, you know, that was poor judgment, if not uh, something worse.
1: John Paul?
2: Yes, and and, and let's assume it might have been uh, slightly unconscious uh, because he so quickly apologized and and resigned and the like. But, um, you know, it it does reflect a set of attitudes that are probably not just at Uber, but more broadly in in Silicon Valley, as a lot of people have, have written about. And the interesting thing, if you read some of the coverage of, of, of his remark that basically having more female board members means that they'll just be more talking, yeah. is actually absolutely contradicted by research that yeah. in, um, mm-hmm. in meetings of boards or other kinds of meetings, uh, men dominate airtime and men interrupt women all the time. And that's true even when the number of women increase. So, uh, I mean, he's flat wrong empirically yeah. and revealed uh, a, a kind of deep kind of bias that was inappropriate to the moment.
1: Well, does, does this case, Cindy, does this case change the mindset at all in Silicon Valley? And, and John Paul mentioned it, obviously, and it's been written widely about kind of the, the, the belief of culture of what Silicon Valley is. Does this help maybe bring that that conversation forward another step? or unfortunately, does this, you know, is this one example at one company and then you know three months, six months, whatever it is down the line, are we back to business as usual?
0: Well, I'd like to be optimistic about yeah. this. I think uh, having this conversation with a company as huge as Uber is and how quickly it grew into such a a, a big force. Will open up the eyes of uh, other companies to to look in house and to make sure that they're not subject to a scandal of uh, of this nature. So I I'm optimistic that this will be helpful down the it, road.
1: But it, but it does require Uber to really look at. You know, the people that they're hiring, and obviously they do that to, to a degree, but I, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the, at the corporate level, who they hire, mm-hmm. what the background is, and, and really what their mindset is, what they are bringing to the company. It's something that a lot of corporations are, are really relying on now. They want good people as well as people that are very successful as well, and, and that's something that, that is a narrative that really does have to, do, to continue to move forward.
0: I agree. It, it's all about integrity and it's about meaning it so that the whole notion of tone at the top, even though that may sound cliché, it's critical. It's it's the actions at the top, it's a zero tolerance for uh, unethical actions. Right. I noticed in, in the report they they talk about wanting to make sure that folks in HR are very well trained on when there's an issue that raises legal consequences. I think it needs to go further and have the HR folks also recognize the things that uh, affect culture, that are unethical. Even if they are not, they haven't risen to a legal issue, they still need to be addressed before it gets there. So um, I think it's critical that these people that are put in charge really care about it.
1: And, and you kind of alluded to it, John Paul, a little bit ago, but again, this is a company – that really builds itself on the experience that the consumer has and the relationship it has with all of the people that either use the Uber service or who are drivers for the service. So the potential of impact there, you don't know how much, but there is that possible impact that could be there of people saying, huh, you know, this is the culture. Maybe I do need to reconsider this.
2: Yeah, and I I think uh, for many customers – the perception that Uber doesn't treat its drivers very well, and the fact that you can you know you can elicit that if you talk with Uber drivers sometimes. And Lyft has tried really hard to differentiate itself as treating drivers better, um, both in the way they bring drivers on and the way they pay drivers, they allow customers to give a tip and the like. And so you know Lyft was uh, really far behind a distant challenger to Uber. But this is a major opportunity for them to gain some ground but if they can provide service that's comparable, but show that they're treating drivers better. I also think the fact that Uber has been, uh, and, and the CEO so outspoken about, uh, aggressive push for autonomous vehicles, right. you get the sense that uh, dealing with these pesky drivers is a sort of their least favorite part of the business model. And that message is not going to exactly endear drivers to you either. Um, I think you mentioned it, Dan, briefly, that this video of uh, Travis Kalanick getting in an argument with an Uber driver and uh, who was complaining about the way that the the reimbursement rates to drivers had changed and saying, you know, sort of Hmm. get over it, get a life, stop whining, stop complaining, uh, kind of revealed those attitudes towards drivers and obviously keeping drivers uh, on board with their business model for now and probably for a long time is essential.
1: There, there is Cindy. Uh, also, the question uh, of culture of these types of companies in general, and I don't mean necessarily just Uber or, or Silicon Valley, but you know some of the companies that have been built up by the millennial generation. And I don't want to put paint a broad brush here, but. Uh, it, it was brought up in this report about the concern about alcohol around the workplace in events, you know, that that Uber uh, would be hosting. I know of one company here in Philadelphia that is kind of run by millennials. I'm not going to mention their name because I know they have had post-work parties as well. It, it is just – it is not a good formula for a- anything positive to happen in the workplace, yet seemingly it is an idea that, it, at least in a few instances – it, it is coming forward. It almost makes it feel a little bit like a fraternity party.
0: You know, it does, and it, it seems that there's sort of a no rules culture. You know, the the rules don't apply to us. We are we are uh, new. We're breaking new ground. We're the innovative force, and so we will just go forward and not pay attention to those around us. and And I think that does have to change. And and as we just talked about. I think this Uber case going forward will at least show that there are some of the rules that are that are important, and treating people with respect is a big one.
1: John Paul,
2: yeah, I think that uh, millennials very much don't want to enter, uh, you know, big bureaucratic organizations where they feel like they have to wait a long time for their opportunity and. and Many of those uh, impulses, wanting work that feels meaningful to them, all those are, I think, you know, positive changes in what that generation looks for in in work. It's you know, funny to see it translated sometimes into uh, parties and a no rules kind of culture, and you know, football tables and ping pong in the middle of the day as the way to demonstrate that we're different from the traditional. Workplace. I think there's all kinds of ways to uh, have a different workplace that doesn't end up violating, uh, you know, these these kinds of uh, rules about how people should treat each other within an organization. And then I, I think the other thing is the um, the uh, what was my thought
1: there? Well, that's all right. We can, we can come back to it, but yeah, it, I mean, I, I mean, it, it is Cindy. It, it is a shift. And we know that it's occurring in terms of the style of what companies are going to be going forward in the next 30, 40 years. It's just no surprise the fact that the mindset of millennials in terms of running a business is much different than what the the baby boomer generation is. Uh, you know, and so, I mean, we're talking about a shift across a lot of businesses in general over the next, you know, 20, 30 years. So. It, it, but you still have to have those core values there as well.
0: You absolutely do. And and one thing that is I find very disappointing uh, to the extent that we see this with um, organizations run by millennials is these these folks have seen their probably both parents' work. They've seen their mother in careers. They may have seen their siblings in careers. Right. So I would think they should know better. <laughs> you know, they, they know how to treat people, know that – both genders are welcome in the workplace. They're all all genders. Um, the the fact that you would see this kind of behavior at an Uber with young people that should know better is is really disappointing.
1: Great to have you both with us. Thank you, John Paul. Thank you, Cindy. I wish you all the best today. Thank you. Okay.
0: Thank you very much. Great Thank to have you, you
1: both. Yeah, Thank you. Well John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School, Cindy Scopani of the University of Michigan joining us.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.